Hey, this is Alex Forbes. I'm a professional songwriter as well as a songwriting coach, and you are listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast. I am Robert Miller, your host. I'm really pleased to say that my band, Project Grand Slam, will be playing its first post-pandemic concert on Sunday, June 27th at 6 p.m. in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at the Levitt Pavilion Steel Stacks. It's a wonderful outdoor event set against the backdrop of an old abandoned steel mill. We played there in 2019. We were supposed to play there in 2020, but of course, everything was canceled last year. But we're really happy to be playing this year. And if you're in the area, please come out. It's a wonderful event, as I said. And if you do, come up to the stage and say hello. And you all know that I like to feature a different song of mine in each episode underneath the introduction, and then we play it again at the end. And I always try to pick out a song that somehow relates to my guest, or at least the subject matter that we're going to be talking about with my guest. And in today's episode, I picked out a song called The In Crowd. It's my reimagined version of a big, big hit that was in 1965, I think, by a guy named Dobie Gray. And uh, we redid this song on our album PGS7 that was put out by my band Project Grand Slam in 2019. And uh, we changed it around and it's, it's so smooth and lovely. My singer at the time, Ziara Washington, kind of sounded a little bit like Chardet on this. And so I love the way it came out. And the reason I chose this song is because my guest today is Christina Flack, who is a celebrity makeup artist, one of the best, if not the best, in the business. And I said to myself, who does a celebrity makeup artist do her work with but somebody that's in the in crowd? <laughs> Probably a lot of people in the in crowd. So that's my reason for choosing that song. And if you'd like a free download of the song, all you need to do is go to followyourdreampodcast.com slash roadmap hyphen song. Okay, we got that out of the way. Christina Flack, please welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. How are you today? I am just terrific. Thank you. So, Christina, I want to talk all about your business. I want to hear all about what a celebrity makeup artist does. But I, I wanted to start this podcast episode on a different note. You were married to Ken Flack. And I didn't know Ken Flack personally, but I knew of him because I am an avid tennis fan. Oh, and that's um, so nice. Ken Flack was probably the best doubles player in the world for a period of time, maybe McEnroe eclipsed him at some point or he eclipsed McEnroe, but they were right up there at the top. 
and I, I used to watch him all the time. He played with Robert Seguso, right? That was his ma main partner. Yes. He used to refer to uh, him as his first wife. <laughs> I mean, Flack and Seguso, <laughs> they were the doubles team. Yes, they were. They were amazing. Yep. And he won four Grand Slams. He won yeah. Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. He won two more. Uh, he had uh, mixed doubles wins at Wimbledon in the French. He won the 1988 Olympic gold medal. He was number one in doubles in 1985. And then he won two senior titles on top of it all. He was a terrific tennis player, really terrific. And he was an even more terrific human being. Well, that's what I want to ask about. You knew him, obviously, in a different way than the rest of us did. Tell us about him. And there's un an unfortunate ending to this whole thing that I want you to talk about as well. Well, uh, my husband was so funny and smart and charming and sweet and naughty and <laughs> incorrigible. He was so many things. Um, he was wonderful. He was my best friend. And, you know, he passed away from sepsis three years ago in March. And my life has never been the same. And it's um, it's so hard. You know, he, uh, you know, it's, it's very hard to... Uh, you know, to, after experiencing the loss like that, it's it's just very difficult. And uh, some days are worse than others. And, you know, you try and move on. I, you know, I've been doing a lot of um, interviews on podcasts and radio and TV to raise awareness for sepsis. Um, that's the disease he passed away from. Would you please tell everybody what is sepsis? I'm sure some people have heard of it, but they probably don't know. And tell us how he how he uh, got this. So sepsis is an infection of the blood and it attack. It's a, just a horrible disease. It attacks your vital organs once it's in your blood system and they all shut down. My husband got bronchitis um, and it turned to pneumonia. We had called Kaiser Permanente, which was our uh, medical insurance at the time. And they have you go through uh, a, you know, a doctor, I mean, you know, a nurse practitioner, and then they decide if you're, they're going to see you or not. Um, and unfortunately they did not see my husband and, you know, because he wasn't seen, he is not here today. And it's really, I want there to be change in the medical system. I don't think any doctor should be diagnosing anyone over the phone, especially when they're complaining that they're having the worst pain in their chest and it feels like glass and, never felt worse in their life and, and not to be seen. So, you know, I think it's really important. There is the sepsis Alliance contacted me after he passed to see if I would be willing to, um, you know, to honor my husband, to raise awareness. And because Ken and I had no idea what, what sepsis was when he got ill. So I, you, everyone can go to uh, sepsis.org to see, find out more about sepsis, but some of the signs are, they have a, um, a little diagram called time. And what it is, is T is for temperature. You could be either incredibly hot or incredibly cold. I is for infection. You have an infection in some part of your body. M is for mental decline. You know, you have like, you're just, you, it's hard to rouse them. They're just not all there in their mind. Um, and E is for excruciating pain. You feel, they feel like they're dying because, because they are dying. And, um, you know, if you have any of those signs, you need to get to an emergency as fast as possible and get a blood test, which they can determine if you're a septic in 20 minutes with a blood test. And if they are, there's a golden window that you can, you know, have a, a, an 
antibiotic, an IV antibiotic to get into your system and, and stop it. And, you know, it can be cured, but it has, there's a definitely a window. So he was basically in good shape. He was and he in got great bronchitis shape. and somehow uh -huh. or other the bronchitis became worse and this infection ensued. Correct. You know, at the time that he called the doctor, there was, you know, orange and bloody spewage coming out of his chest. Mm. Um, you know, and, and they unfortunately gave him, because he wasn't seen, uh, they gave him a cough medicine with codeine and an inhaler and no antibiotic to counter the infection. So the problem is with cough medicine with codeine, and I know everyone thinks, oh, I'm going to get cough medicine with codeine and, and, you know, sleep. Well, that's actually the most dangerous thing you can do. And that's what happened with Ken. Uh, it slows down your breathing, which makes the infection grow at a, a much more rapid rate. And... Um, and so, and without the, uh, you know, the antibiotic to counter it, you know, that's just, it's a wildfire, a wildfire that's just gone crazy. So, so th this was like a, a, I don't want to call it a comedy of errors because it certainly wasn't a no. comedy, but it was just one error after another. Everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. Mm. And when I got him to the emergency, um, he was spitting up blood, uh, you know, I mean, I couldn't even believe how much worse he got in 12 hours. I'm like, how is this possible if the doctor prescribed him those those drugs and, and now he's so much worse? Um, he They told me that they were going to intubate him, which, you know, what they said was they're going to clear out his lungs to get the infection out. And I said, OK, that's fantastic. Like, you know, do whatever you have to do to get him better. Um, they did not tell me it was life support. They did not tell me that this could possibly be the last time I spoke with my husband. Hmm. So it's infuriating to me that, you know, we were not given that opportunity. Our children were not given that opportunity. Um, and, and just so I can tell you how quickly this, this uh, disease is, I took him in. Uh, we called the doctor on a Wednesday, Thursday morning. I rushed him to the emergency. He was on life support within the hour. Uh, and by Monday, his appendages turned black, all his organs shut down, his arms and legs turned black. And so I brought a specialist in to figure out like what we were going to do about, you know, I called it the discoloration in his arms and legs. And they said, well, if he survives, we're going to have to amputate. Hmm. And I said, wait, no, this is a man that's, you know, one Wimbledon and golfs every day. And, you know, he was trying to go on the senior tour to play golf and, and, and I'm, we're going to, chop off his arms and legs like that. My, my head, if he survives, he's going to murder me if I do that to him. I mean, I don't, I, I, it, it scares me to even think of what he would have done. Um, Just a terrible, terrible situation. No, it was terrible. So anyway, I, um, let me ask this. I'm curious what kind of um, afterwards there was say within the tennis community, did you get an outpouring of support from his former colleagues? Oh my God. The tennis community has been amazing. The ATP tour uh, did a golf. Ken had won the tournament in Indian Wells. They had a um, an ATP golf tournament for all the ex pros to come back to during the tournament, and Ken won it. He shot a sixty seven, and so the following year after he passed, they asked me if I would be okay with them doing a, a golf tournament in Ken's honor, and I said, "Oh my gosh, absolutely!" Um, so I went down to Indian Wells and handed out the first trophy. And then I was going down for the second year to give out the trophy, but you know, COVID hit. So that ended. So I'm hoping that as soon as hopefully next year that we'll be able to do, you know, the next, the number two 
tournament in Ken's honor. And, uh, but the tennis community has been so gracious and kind and very supportive of me and my efforts to speak about sepsis and raise awareness. And I started, um, my son, Bo had passed away, um, 14 years ago on Christmas day. And so I had started a educational, uh, fund at the Northern Light School in Oakland, California for him. And Ken, every year, uh, Vita Blue put on a, puts on a uh, golf tournament every year. And, you know, Ken would play every year and to support the school because it was a charity that we just like embraced so much. Uh, and so we started a Ken Flack um, educational fund at the school in honor of him. And my son, uh, Bo's twin, Ben, Every the last four years has gone on a hole on a par three hole, and they call it beat the kid. And he raises money for his dad and for his brother's uh, educational funds. So my son has raised over a hundred thousand dollars for the Northern Lights School, and uh, the last year for the shut-in, uh, he raised thirty-five thousand five hundred dollars, which was amazing because that's three children are able to go to private school for a year. And that really does change lives and communities in the world. And I feel so proud of my son for having, you know, that he does that. Well, that's really an, a nice coda to this whole thing. And you're a, a terrific spokesperson for this uh, disease that so many people don't know about. And I'm glad that you were able to speak about this. And oh, I'm, thank I'm, you. I'm sorry for your loss. I really yeah, am. A quarter of a million people, a quarter of a million people die a year from sepsis. I mean, it's really the number staggering. It's the kind of thing that you kind of hear about in hospitals, but you don't hear about it outside of hospitals, but obviously it can exist wherever. Correct. Okay. Let's move on. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your, your makeup artist business. Tell everybody if you would, how did you get into this? Was this your dream? I always ask, you know, because this <laughs> is a follow your dream podcast. Right. So I need to ask, was it your dream to be in fashion and makeup and all of that? You know, I always loved makeup and fashion, but I I didn't think I, I never imagined when I was 16 that I would have agents that book me jobs and that I'd be CEO of a makeup company. Now, I, that's something that I never imagined happening, but um, it did become my dream. And I'm so grateful that it's happened. And I, I love it so much. It's great having the two, like being a makeup artist because it gives me that artistic outlet that I really need. I'm an artist. And um, so I love that. I love, you know, doing photo shoots. I love meeting new people. I've met extraordinary people. I've worked with, you know, Condoleezza Rice, President Biden, uh, you know, Jeremy. Wait, 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 wait. You, you did makeup for President Biden? I did before he was President Biden. Yeah. <laughs> so how does that work? Well, you know, for somebody like President Biden, how do you do makeup for him? You know, it's so interesting. Anyone that you see on TV, men or women, wears makeup. You may, you know, if the makeup artist is does a good job, which you hope, you don't even notice it. And um, that's kind of my goal when I work, you know, with all my clients. I want them to look like the best versions of themselves. I want them to feel comfortable so when they do go on camera that they're not thinking about how they look if they're not comfortable, that they're just focused on what they need to be, you know, focused on what they're talking about. So, you know, I work a lot with the Food Network. I work with a lot of athletes and, you know, sports people. And Well, go back. I want to hear the story. How did you get to that point? Of, of being a makeup artist? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, I started doing makeup you know, on my friends and family and 
Funny enough, today is the 32nd year anniversary of my mother passing um, away from cancer. And I started, I, my mom was someone that I worked on. She was going on a date with my dad and she, you know, had lost her hair. Her skin was discolored. She was very beautiful. And, you know, after I put her makeup on, I didn't even know I knew what I was doing. I just was pretending. And uh, she looked like her normal self. And she felt more importantly, she felt like herself and just seeing the transformation of her mood and her, you know, how she was carrying herself that really uh, hit with me. And so I think part of the, what I love of the job, my job is um, making people feel good and, and confident and, and the best version of themselves. So that's really a, a great thing. And then I started doing brides and, I, I I don't know. I worked with some photographers and then I got some images together and I miraculously got an agent and, um, and I've been very blessed. Did you train yourself? Did you go to a school to learn this? How did you acquire the skills? Good question. Well, you know, looking through millions of magazines and TV, um, I did work with some makeup teachers, but I didn't go to school. I've just kind of winged it. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of practice. I mean, you know, that thing that they say is 10,000 hours until you become good at something. I, I've definitely done more than 10,000 hours and I've done so many faces and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, a str it's a stressful job sometimes when you're on set and you're working, you know, with a team, it, it's very stressful, you know, in fashion, sometimes, you know, you're in a dark spot, you don't know what's going to happen and, and you have to just, you know, make the best of it and put on a happy face. If you make mistakes, you never let the client know. You just fix it up and and get them out the you know out the door or on the set. Okay, so you you do weddings, right? I do. Sometimes I do. Mostly I do TV. Um, I do a lot of fashion. Fashion like on the runway type of thing. Um, sometimes not so much. I live in San Francisco, so um, you know I work with I've worked with Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Armani. Macy's, uh, you know, Neiman Marcus, I, I, you know, and every store you can think of a lot of the designers. Um, but I do a lot of like um, e-commerce. I've worked with uh, Williams Sonoma, um, Mark and Graham, Good Rider. They're an equestrian line. Ariat. Um, I just did some sh a shoe ad last two weeks ago with a company. And so there's all kinds of different brands that I work with and it's super fun. Okay. Tell us some stories. I want to hear some makeup oh, artist stories, okay? <laughs> this is not an area that I'm very experienced in, so I'm going to ask you some dumb questions, but you know, oh, people want no to hear dumb stories. Questions. They're all good stories. They're all good <laughs> questions. So tell us some stories. I want to hear this. Well, um, there's been times that, you know, a, a celebrity or a model will arrive on set and their skin is a disaster and full of acne, and I have a very short period of time to fix it. And, and it's a little intimidating and stressful because, you know, you could, I'm not a magician. And so I have to figure out how to make their skin look even. Um, Hillary Swank, for example, came to San Francisco to do the Bulgari um, exhibition at the museum. And um, she had a terrible case of acne on her forehead. And I really didn't know what I was going to do. I was praying to the makeup gods up in the sky <laughs> and hoping that I even out her skin. And it ended up being in um, Us magazine the work I did and uh, of a before and after of, of Hillary. And so I was so honored and excited to see that. So um, I've went down to, let's see something else. I've gone down to Stanford to work with uh, Condoleezza Rice for Time Magazine. 
And uh, so that was pretty cool. She had no handlers, no assistant. I just, a fun part of the job is just having someone in my chair that I get to kind of interview like you're doing to me and ask them a bunch of questions, uh, you know, while I'm getting them ready. But also I have to kind of keep in mind, some people don't want to talk. They're studying a script or they want quiet. Um, so I kind of have to gauge, you know, what that particular person wants. Did you get any scoop from any of these people? Did Condoleezza Rice kind of tell you what's happening in world affairs or something at that time? <laughs> she actually wanted to talk about golf. Uh, my kids really? are all, go- yes, my kids are all golfers and she's obsessed with golf and, uh, her coach and my daughter's coach, they have the same coach. And so we chatted about, she wanted to talk a lot about golf. So it's surprising the things that uh, people want to talk about. I'm sure you're right. You know, I had one experience where I was on television. My band and I were featured in an episode of uh, an an NBC show called Lipstick Jungle. I remember uh, that show. Brooke Shields was the star of this. Kim Raver was another one. I can't remember the third actress. But anyway, there was an episode where they needed a band in a nightclub. And uh, my band was chosen. And the whole thing going on in the script was that uh, Brooke Shields' husband in the show was supposedly somebody that had played with us before. And he's in the audience. And I'm supposed to call him up to the stage. And uh, he's supposed to play with us. And he doesn't know I'm going to call him up to the stage. And Brooke Shields doesn't know I'm calling him up to the stage. So they gave me a line to say in this episode. And I had no idea they were going to do that. Oh, my God. How fun. Well, it was fun, but it was also terrifying. It's very terrifying, isn't it? Like you're trembling terrified. Oh, my God. It it only took me about 53 takes to get it right. I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure. But I remember sitting in the chair and having the makeup artist go over and, you know, patting me with all the different makeup and making sure that I look like a human being when I got out Right. Um, That was was a a very interesting experience. No, it is. It's really, uh, I did a television uh, series last year before the shut-in with Isaiah Washington. He was on Grey's Anatomy called Kitchen Talk for Fox. And that was my first TV series that I did. And it was so much fun. It was, we shot down in LA in different houses and we had different guests and that was really great. Um, So it's, it's really fun to have that, you know, kind of intimate relationship with, with your clients and you get to know them on just a, on a, on a different level. And they're, I, I, I am very lucky. I have such great clients that I've worked with and have had really great experiences and everyone has been really, really nice. And, uh, that's terrific. Where do you get your work from? Is it all word of mouth or do you have, do you, you have an agent of some kind? Yes, I have agents. Yeah. That they book me my jobs. And then of course, you know, I, you know, for example, I got a call last week from, uh, Roger Lodge. Uh, he was on the Isaiah show. Uh, he was a guest and he called me last week and said that he's doing a two day, uh, commercial. And they asked him who his favorite makeup artist was. And he said me, which was super nice. So I'm going to be going down to LA in June to work with him for two days on a, on a, on a commercial. So that'll be super fun. So that was word of mouth. What about COVID. How has COVID affected your business? Oh my gosh. What a nightmare. (laughs) I really didn't think that. I always thought that being a makeup artist, I was untouchable. Like there's always a wedding. There's always fashion. There's always TV. I didn't think it was possible that I wouldn't be able to, to work, but it was. And uh, yeah. And of course it affected my, my makeup. I'm the CEO of pretty girl makeup and, you know, I specialize in lip gloss. So Obviously, our sales have uh, 
gone down a bit, but they're, they're going back up. Thank goodness. And, um, I'm very grateful. I have I mean, to say all the TV shows and the movies and the various, uh, events that you're handling, have they been coming back online, you know, at, at, at this point in COVID? Yeah, no, they actually have. So it's been really great in the last couple months. I, you know, my agents have been booking me every week, which is fantastic. And our sales are going back up with pretty girl. I brought in a new partner, uh, Jordan Hall over the, the COVID break, well, let's call it. And uh, we've actually got investors because I've been self-funded all these years. And so Jordan did a bit, an amazing business plan and we're getting investor money and we're going to expand Pretty Girl. We're also going to uh, do a, a, a skincare line and a hair care line. So you've so become a conglomerate, excited. huh? Well, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I am trying. So it's, it's really a lot of fun. So, you know, uh, I think it, they say everything is a blessing. You just don't always know it. And I really try to keep a positive attitude. And, you know, obviously I know I sound very positive, but believe me, I have very dark days too. And I get depressed and sad and um, frustrated and scared, but I just know that it's a moment and to just keep in my lane and, and, you know, things will shift and they'll get back on track. So it's a good attitude to have, you know, I, I always ask my guests on this show again, this is a, a podcast called follow your dream. And there are people out there, I believe everybody's got a dream of some kind. Some people are no longer in touch with their dream, but most people know what that dream is or was. And so many of them have not been able to pursue their dream for whatever reason. Life gets in the way, they go into other things, the opportunity just doesn't present itself. But I try to ask all of my guests on the show, what would be your advice to a dreamer out there, somebody that's got a dream, but either hasn't pursued it or just hasn't been able to advance it? What would you say to them? That's a great question. I think it is so important to have dreams and goals. I think that, you know, for example, like I started my makeup company after I was a makeup artist and that was my dream, but I've been able to do both things, you know, because, you know, being a makeup artist, I make, you know, really good money and that's enabled me to reinvest in my company and, and expand it. I think, you know, you always need to have new goals and new dreams. And so I tried to, you know, expanding my, my brand was always a dream, you know, seeing my kids, you know, be healthy and happy. That's been a nice positive dream. And, you know, I think I'd like to be able to raise enough money for all the kids at the Northern Lights school to, you know, go to school and have more kids there. I think that would be really great. Um, what else? World peace. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a contestant now. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people follow you if um, if they'd like yes. to do so? Uh, well, on Instagram, Christina Flack Makeup. And Pretty Girl Makeup is P-R-E-T-T-Y-G-I-R-L-M-K-U-P. And on Twitter as well. Um, we're on Facebook. Um, prettygirlmakeup.com is the website. If anyone wants to buy some lip gloss, which would be great. Help my dreams come true. And um, my portfolio is christinaflack.com. Terrific. And also, um, you know, I'd love sepsis to disappear. Um, so the sepsis.org website for anyone to, you know, see the signs or find out more information about it is out there as well. Wonderful. We've been talking with uh, Christina Flack, who is the uh, CEO of Pretty Girl Makeup, and she's a celebrity makeup artist, and she's also told us about all of her trials and tribulations and, and uh, 
trying to help in the area of sepsis as well. I want to thank you, Christina, for being on the Follow Your Dream podcast. Thank you. And remember to get your complimentary dream roadmap, where I lay out my five steps to pursue and succeed at your dream just by going to followyourdreampodcast.com slash dream roadmap. Again, that's followyourdreampodcast.com slash dream roadmap. And now we're going to play for you again the entire song that we played a little bit for you in the beginning. It's uh, my version of the Dobie Gray hit from the mid-60s called The In Crowd. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com.